it's all about becoming present, uh, learning how to bring attention inward and realize uh, how your mind is working, what your mind is telling you about yourself, what your mind is telling you about life. Welcome, Juan Alvarez. It's great to have you here. Uh, I'm going to start by reading your bio before we get too far into this. But Juan Alvarez was born in Mallorca, Spain, and teaches conscious leaders how to gain control over their emotional state so they can lead with intention and peace, bringing trust and prosperity to their organizations. A former executive and entrepreneur of 20 years, Juan is also a certified professional coach through the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. And from what I know of you, and I'm excited to get into uh, with you here today, I think your bio is actually a bit uncommon in that usually I'm reading pretty lengthy bios that talk about everything that somebody has done. Yours is pretty brief, but your, your history and your experience is not. So I don't know if even that's intentional that you've kind of distilled things down pretty uh, humbly because I know you've got a, a really long, great history in that 20 years of being an entrepreneur. But in any event, welcome. Thank you for being here. Well, I'm very happy to be here, Brett. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I always try to be concise and put uh, whatever I think brings value to others more than, more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, Juan, um, as we talked a little bit before we got started, uh, I've really been enjoying having our guests share their full story and starting at the beginning so that others can kind of see themselves in you and your journey. You know, I think we're all um, very similar, having a very similar human experience in, in very unique ways, but um, there's a lot of value in hearing that story. So maybe you could start the beginning. I'm fantasizing about Mallorca right now, but tell me a little bit about what your early life was like. Like my childhood. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, growing up, you know, I was very fortunate to be born in in a place like that. You know, Mallorca is truly uh, a paradise. And for a little kid... Uh, to have like 300 plus days of sunshine and the sea and going to the beach every summer and the mountains and all of that nature i think it's a, it's a it's kind of a big playground you know where where you can explore the world so i was very fortunate to be born in such a gentle and and beautiful place uh, which gave me lots of uh, opportunities to play outside and adventure. And um, uh, my, my family, you know, my, my dad and my mom, they were very, very loving people. Uh, so I had a good childhood in, in terms of um, feeling secure, feeling safe, feeling loved. And um, my dad shared uh, with me uh, his passion for nature. And uh, we would spend pretty much all the time where I was not at school, uh, we would spend out in the mountains or in the countryside uh, playing with with uh, animals and, and, and in the natural environment or on the beach, uh, of course, in the summer. 
yeah, I have a pretty pretty happy childhood in terms of uh, being at home. Uh, I had difficulties though uh, at school. I I never quite fit with with my peers at at school, even with my teachers. Like I was not bullied, but I I didn't melt very well with with other kids. So I was always like kind of awkward one, and I, I wasn't really good at sports or or things like that until years later in my life. So my my childhood like was a little bit tough in that regard, which I, I didn't. I was not very well accepted at, at school. That made me feel uh, lonely many, many, many times. I remember that. That was the hardest part for me until basically until I arrived to high school where I something changed and I, I started opening myself up more to others and being more accepted and, and more confident. Uh, childhood was was hard at, at school, you know. Other kids making fun of me and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and let me just kind of back up for a second. So um, I'm curious, you know, the passion for nature. Your father, what was what was his background? What was he doing? Was he well? <laughs> he had a fascinating story as well, but we I won't get into that because we would be too long. But the short story would be like he was born in a very small, very tiny village in the center of Spain uh, called Santibáñez Zarzaguda in the, in the state of Burgos. Uh, I'm, I'm saying like very small is like probably 100 people lived there. And they were very humble. Uh, my grandfather was a, a farmer and uh, he was born after the civil war in Spain. So there were very hard times, times of, of need. So the, oh, everybody was very humble in Spain in that in that era. So he was he grew up in already connected with nature, like with animals and helping his dad farm uh, and taking care of animals. So he he had that type of lifestyle that he was very connected with nature. Then of course plenty of things happened. Then he became an entrepreneur. He had a quite a lot of success in in his in his career. Uh, but he never lost that uh, humble origin and his passion for animals and plants and nature. I remember in our in our in our house in in Palma, uh, we we had plants everywhere. Like we, we we would live in the city, but he he had like plants, and I would remember him on weekends, endless hours taking care of the plants and bonsais and. Yeah, yeah, and every time he every time he could, he would take me to the to the mountains in Mallorca. That's where I developed my passion for climbing and mm-hmm. and mountaineering. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I'm just curious that you know you you kind of um, in the first sharing, you know, went right to the nature and and that memory and and you know, I am also curious about the kind of influence that that he had as an entrepreneur um was that also something that you were attuned to um you know watching him in his work or was it really more um you know something that you just weren't that focused on as a teenager and as in your childhood well you know as i said let's say i remember very 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 clearly a conversation that i witnessed I was probably seven or eight, seven or eight years old, and we were my my, my dad was very particular because he, he could bring me 
on business trips with him sometimes uh, when I was on on my on my summer breaks and things like that. He would have to go for a week somewhere, and he would bring me with him. So I I, I remember have, having like sitting at business meetings with him and things like that since I was very young. Uh, but I remember a conversation uh, with one of his partners. And he, his, his partner was asking my dad, like, oh, when is this one going to come into the business? When are you going to bring this one into the business? And he said, oh, this one, he would never, never be a business person. He has completely different interests. I don't think this one is going to, to be in the business world at all, ever. That, that's what my dad said. And he was totally right, you know? You were uh, how old at the time? I was seven or eight years old. Uh-huh. It's funny but, though that you remember that. And, and I'm curious, do you have a memory of what you thought about it when he said it? Did, did you think that he's right? Did he think, you know, you, you said he's right, but I'm wondering at the time, you know, that might be something that could be hurtful if you didn't interpret it right. No, I don't think it. I, I didn't interpret it in a hurtful way at all. Like I yeah. probably was not interested in the in the conversation at all. I just uh, it's right. a memory that came way way later in my life. Right, I was probably completely uninterested by all old people <laughs> talking. You know, yeah, uh, most most uh, seven and eight year olds are not right. really interested in that dialogue. Yeah, but you know, he he was already he got me figured out like. Uh, and this is this is kind of a crucial for, to understand to understanding a little bit my background and my story. You know, I never had any interest in in the business world. I never had any interest in entrepreneurship, per se. Like I never thought mentally, like intellectually, I'm going to become a business person. I was exposed to it certainly because of my the influence of my dad and and his life. Like I didn't know anything. I didn't. I didn't know any any other thing than uh, entrepreneurship because that's that's what he was, and that's what he was always building companies and doing things like. So I was exposed to it, but I never I never had an interest. The moment I realized I could climb, and that I was good at moving through the mountains, uh, then I decided I'm going to be a mountain guide, and that's that's. If you'd ask me when I was 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, what are you going to do with your life? I would have told you without a doubt. I'm going to become a mountain guide and I'm going to take people through the mountains and that's going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And before we kind of go into the kind of career part of your life, I, I am curious, you know, you mentioned um, kind of the childhood. I, I, I'm not sure if you said it was bullying or not bullying, but it's something of the like, not being accepted. Can you just elaborate a little bit on on that experience? Because I think it's a common one, and 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 I'm curious how that did impact you, um, or how you look at that experience today. Yes. Well, <clears throat> when when I was six years old, I. I went to I, I, my my family enrolled me into a new school. It was a Catholic school, and the, the teachers were priests. Also, uh, I had a terrible, terrible asthma when I was little. They they since ever since ever since I was three or four years old, I think I started having very hard asthma asthma attacks. So my teacher, the when I was six years old, he used to have two or three little birds. In the classroom, and and he would uh, play with them, and all the kids loved them. 
but uh, because of my my disease, my my condition, the 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 feathers of the birds would cause me to cough a lot and then have ter- terrible uh, asthma attacks at night. So my family had to ask uh, for these birds to be removed from the classroom because I couldn't breathe. And he didn't like that, my teacher. And then from that day on, um, he would make fun of me sometimes publicly and uh, in front of the other kids. And then, of course, the other kids would make fun of me like, oh, don't touch this guy because he can breathe. And then sometimes he he would put me in a corner uh, apart from the other kids and things like that. So he didn't, he truly didn't like me. (laughs) And that made my life very difficult. And I... I started feeling inadequate. Uh, like there was something wrong with me that I was not, not uh, normal. Because uh, at that age, you don't really understand what's going on. Like, why is this person being mean to me? So that was that was hard, and I think that contracted me in a way that I retreated a little bit into myself, and I didn't want to participate much with with anybody or or um, my classmates or anything like that. I was a little bit traumatized. Then my my family, they took me to another school. But by the time that I arrived into this new environment, I was already retreated into myself. So I didn't melt very well with with other kids. Uh, Also, the medicine I used to take for my my condition would make me gain weight. So there was a lot of hormones, things like that, that I would have to, to, to take. So I was a little bit overweight as a kid. And also, like kids would make fun of me for that, and I couldn't run, I couldn't play soccer uh, on on the recess like every other kid would. So uh, that separate separated me also uh, again from from pretty much everybody. And yeah, I, I think like I've always had this this tendency also to to be just fine with with my inner life, even even as a kid. Like I didn't need it much interaction with the world i was okay with with myself so yeah that 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 was it my teachers in the second school they were lovely and they tried very hard to make me feel comfortable but uh, um i think i was a little bit scared on one end and also i was comfortable just being on my own i mean it, it's it's a pretty amazing story i mean really i i i find it to be um pretty hard to comprehend that a teacher, (laughs) right? I mean, and maybe, you know, the world has changed or maybe I'm very privileged because, you know, I send my kids to a wonderful public school and still even then, you know, teachers are human beings. They're imperfect. They they sometimes, you know, are bringing their their own um, baggage uh, or trauma or whatever it is to the to the job. I mean, we're, we we all do that, you know, to some degree. But but that story is pretty uh, intense. That you know, somebody who is supposed to be educating the youth is is really uh, shaping potentially shaping your life in a in a in a horribly uh, painful way. And yet, you know, you mentioned kind of having some sort of uh, uh, access to inner peace. I, I'm I'm just curious, how did it impact you, or 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 how were you able to not let it impact you, uh, knowing you know how how tough that could have been to 
have a, a, a figure of authority basically telling the whole class it's okay to make this human being uh, you know, suffer <laughs> at an early age. It's terrible. Yes, it, it was. Uh, when I look at it now from the eyes of an adult, this is a terrible thing. Of course, uh, this was Spain 40, 40 years ago, for 30-some years ago. It was a completely different culture. And, and teachers were allowed to, to do uh, things that today uh, they probably would face uh, criminal charges for. Um, so... Um, things have evolved tremendously, you know. I think that what kept me uh, sane and and centered was all the love and and the the support that I received from my family, my my father and my mother and my sister. Um, not not in, not addressing this issue directly because they they didn't know. But all the all the support and the affection that I would receive at home would compensate for the lack of of support that I would receive from the from the teacher. Um, and um, because when we when they took me to a different school, it wasn't because of this. It was just because we moved into a different neighborhood and there was a very nice school right next to my house. So my my parents decided me to move to move uh, to move to change my school over there. I think. Um, it's just basic basic survival. Like when you are a kid, you're I think more resilient. And um, to be honest, I, I I have made sense of how how this affected me in my life in terms of like insecurity in in basic things. Like every time I had to present my homework, I was terrified. You know, uh, so this kind of brought me like blocked my creativity a little bit blocked my my ability to to work because i was so scared always that what what is he going to say to me are they they going to make fun of me um when i go to the to the writing board on the on the class uh, are they going to make fun of me so it it generated like some sort of fear in me to perform uh, at, at basic things, but I, I had to, and I didn't realize that until many years later, and I addressed it and I overcame that. Uh, but um, other than that, which is also definitely a burden that I had to carry with me for, for many years, uh, I think it could have been worse. That's what I want to say. Like, could have been way worse than it was. But I think that uh, having having a loving loving family and also two or three friends that I like. I had that they were very nice to me. Uh, that was enough to to get me through it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that says a lot, really. You know that. I mean, amazing that you had such love coming from your family and friends to balance that out. You know, to some degree, maybe really get you through. You know, it goes to show that you know as long as you get the love that you're needing and maybe getting it from the 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 right places maybe maybe that's not even necessary you can you can handle a lot um, and I'm wondering we 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 are uh, kind of often talking about this um, inside of uh, my company the the it just came up recently actually around the book anti fragile I don't know if you've had a chance to see, read that book but you know there's a lot of conversation about whether or not it's healthy for us to um, have some kind of 
tough love or if um, unconditional love or, you know, some people will look at it as coddling. I, I personally believe leading with love is is way more important than being tough. And I know there's some kind of middle ground combination, but I'm wondering, you know, just if that experience, knowing you had the love from your family, if the kind of adversity, the challenge, the the difficulty of that somehow made you better, made it you, I mean, in, in hindsight, do you have any gratitude for that experience? Um, did it, did it help um, shape you uh, in, a, in a positive way at all? Uh, well, I think that um, it certainly forced me to find comfort uh, inside of myself, which is something that I now teach to other people. So like, yeah, from the very beginning, that, that challenge forced me inward. And and uh, at some at some very rudimentary level, with the, the the mind of a six year old and the emotional intelligence of a six year old, I started already doing some inner work, without knowing anything uh, about it, uh, but just out of sheer necessity. I think I started already uh, paying attention to how if I, if I cannot improve the conditions around me, how can I improve the conditions inside of me? So yes, I think it, it was the beginning of, of, uh, of a long career of, of uh, personal development. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving forward, um, you, you've got it in your head at a certain point that mountain life is for you. Being a guide you know, would, would maybe be your future. What happens? Do you, is that something you do pursue? Or what? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, at age 15, I started my training, uh, it's a multi-year training until you become an alpine mountain guide. So I started uh, volunteering my, my summers to, to accompany a professional mountain guide and just to, to, to get mountain, mountain hours and, and more uh, experience. At age 17, I was already almost like, yes, probably 40% through uh, the certification process uh, for for alpine mountain guides in in Europe, and then, well, of course, my family they wanted me to have a, a college education, so they sent me to to university. But w- what truly threw me off my path was uh, that my father he was diagnosed with a brain tumor uh, when I was eighteen, and uh, that was my 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 freshman year of of college. He went through a surgery. Uh, he came out of surgery half, half paralyzed and uh, not making sense completely. Like you could talk to him sometimes, but some other times he, he was not, not present at all. And that changed completely our life, uh, not just for me, but for the rest of my family. And um, with him still with us, I remember we still he was still alive, I started taking taking over the his responsibilities in the in the in the business so i went from aspiring mountain guide to the ceo of my dad's companies at age 18 and not having a clue of what i was doing <laughs> but that was my my transition uh, in, into the business world Wow. And, and so let's, let's talk about that. I mean, what was going through your mind at 18 years old? I mean, you, you, you're, I'm imagining that you're 
your life has just been turned upside down. Your, 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 your father is not the man that he was. It's totally unexpected. It sounds like that you go in for surgery and that's the outcome. You've got that to deal with. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing for an 18 year old to deal with. And on top of that, you're now a CEO of a business with, with no experience in business. Right. Tell me about that experience. Well, you know, it like it, it sounds terrible, uh, but the way I experienced it wasn't that that uh, in in that moment at the beginning. I think I wasn't fully aware of what was going on. I so I just rode with it. I just did it. I wasn't thinking too much about it. Like I think just I just had to do it. Like it felt natural for me. Nobody asked me to 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 do that. It just felt natural for me to 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 take that step and do this. But Juan, let me just um, inter- interrupt you for a second. Um, I, I think that's like a really great thing. I want to just you know kind of double click on you know in that um, I think a lot of times you know I can look back in my life and a lot of the the things that led to the things you know were were uh, seemingly very unconscious not some great, you know, kind of thoughtfully figured out strategy that I'm going to do this and that'll lead to that. And, and, and so it is kind of an unconscious thing, but, but there's like little like threads in there that, that, you know, do, do kind of feel like in hindsight, well, I do remember I was thinking about that, you know, so I am kind of curious, like that feeling, you know, the feeling of, of kind of just naturally going into what you were going into can you describe that a little bit uh, you know i think it's for help other, it's helpful for other people to hear kind of what that's like as they're navigating their own path yeah i remember uh, at, at moments i certainly remember being scared um other moments i remember being um sad mostly sad uh, than than scared, sad because I was not uh, in Seville anymore, going through my life at, as a college student, and sad because I knew that my dad was going to die. But on the other hand, what kept me going was like I, I it was some sort of um, protective uh, instinct uh, towards my mom and my sister. Like I, for a moment, like I, that was, was pushing me to, to do things. Like I need to do this for my mom. I need to do this for my sister. Um, I'm going to take care of this. And, and that was, that was the energy source basically thinking, oh, this is going to be my role in this whole mess. At least I'm, I'm capable of taking care of the business. I'm taken capable of taking care of this aspect. That's what I I thought to myself, I certainly wasn't because I was completely unprepared and completely untrained and, and, uh, and I had zero skills. But uh, when, with the energy of an 18-year-old, that thing that you can eat the whole world at once, I decided I was ready and that I was going to support my family that way. And I did it uh, somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so tell me a little bit about kind of how it went, you know, you're, you're now CEO. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get that you've got this motivation, um, that's kind of this survival instinct and, 
you know, you, you, a calling that you, you've got to fulfill whether you wanted to or not. You, you want to take care of your family. But what's it like day to day? And maybe you can give some senses to kind of the business itself. I mean, is this a small mm-hmm. business? Is this a large business? You know, now what? You're you're the leader in charge. People are looking to you and maybe some of them, I don't know if this is how it was then, but, you know, I'm, I'm imagining some people going, hey, you know, this 18-year-old's not capable. You know, uh, what was it like being thrust into that position? Very, very tough. It was very difficult. Uh, I didn't sleep basically for two years. <laughs> uh, just out of uh, the stress that I was under and also trying to learn um, uh, what I was doing. Uh, so it was terrifying having to make decisions when you are not sure of what you're doing, right? So uh, I, I was looking for people that could give me support and learn from, from them. So I tried to find mentors and people in my network that would give me the support that I needed. Uh, there were two people uh, mostly that were very, very helpful in my business career. One was one of my dad's business partners, uh, who was 66 years old at, at, that, at that time or something like that. Uh, and then uh, my, one of my dad's lawyers. And uh, w- one thing that happened in, the, in that when I was placed in that position is that I was in a, in a p- position of, of vulnerability and s- plenty of people took advantage of that. Like people that I was supposed to trust, I did trust them, but then they, they took advantage of that trust and they, they lied to me and they took advantage of, of, of my position of, of lack of knowledge. So I did a lot of very, like, very, very bad business and we lost uh, or, or people stole money from us, just um, manipulating me and things like that. So I learned the hard way who to trust and who do not to trust. <laughs> uh, for context, you know, we had a manufacturing uh, business. We, we manufactured exhaust systems for cars. And we, de- we did also have a, a network of car repair shops throughout Spain, like a 40, 45 uh, car repair shops, similar to what Amidas would look like today, uh, like quick, quick car service for... Um, for regular cars, so it was very tough, very tough. But these two, these two people, uh, one of my dad's business partners, and uh, my dad's lawyer, one of one of his lawyers, were very, very were, were essential in my training as a as a business person, and guided me when I learned that I could trust them. I would, I would, I would look for them in order to help me make decisions and navigate this new world. And you know, the automotive industry thirty some years ago in Europe was very hostile, a very hostile place to live. Like, a, not not a very gentle or kind uh, industry to to work. Like, um, was hostile and aggressive and uh, very stressful. So uh, the, the support of these these two men. Was was uh, was very important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so tell me, you know, how does that chapter end up playing out in your life? Um, how how did how did you end up navigating that in the end? Well, we we found like um, 
a very, how to describe it, like a, a very happy dynamic between the energy and almost like the like uh, impulse of a fearless 18-year-old, 19-year-old that wants to do everything. And the experience uh, of a 65-year-old, 66-year-old men that thought that I'm almost over with my career with business, but all of a sudden this kid comes into the game and says, no, let's do things, let's create things, let's push forward. So I kind of force, force him to, to do things. And he taught me uh, out of his experience how to do things. So the result was that we, we, we grew that business four times, uh, the size it was when, when I got it, um, in four years. Uh, we, we, we expanded that business internationally. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful, uh, beautiful combination of experience from one end, and then my 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 energy of wanting to to do things. So it was it was a very those were very beautiful. I remember that that business wise, it was very very nice, very beautiful experience. Internally, though, I still had like lots of things to deal with and lots of conflict and a lot of anger. And I never felt that I was in the right place, but business-wise, we did we did really well. And, and so, how long did you end up staying um, in that business? Four years, four years. And at that point, um, my business partner he was ready to retire and pass the baton to his son, to his eldest son. And I did I did not melt with him at all. Like we did not connect it well at all. I couldn't. I couldn't see myself partnering with him the way I used to uh, partner with his dad. So I decided to sell and uh, give all the proceeds uh, of that uh, to my family, to my mom and my sister, so they could have a, a, a good life. So I, I basically I sold the company and, and moved on into, the, into my next adventure. Mm, interesting. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's admirable that you you know, uh, were able to set your family up like that after kind of, you know, your role and stepping in and going through all of that. And, you know, I admire that, you know, that was the path that you decided to take. W- what's the next adventure? I, I didn't, I didn't like, you, you will see that there's a thread throughout my career that I didn't give much thought to the things that I was doing, mostly because I still was a kid. You know, so I was 22 years old or something like that when this all happened. So there was a huge multinational company that were was compet- competing with us, and I had some inter- connections with them here and there. You know, and when I decided to sell, uh, they approached me and they offered me a position as a as a uh, uh, the director of expansion for them, and uh, I took it. So I went basically to work for for the company that I was competing against uh, for many years. I decided to explore what it would look like to work in a bigger environment with more resources. This was a company that was owned by by Ford, Ford Motor Company. Uh, so it was an American American company operating in Europe. So I I enrolled with them, and that was a a, a great great experience as well. I learned I learned how to move in the corporate world, like in a large 
like we were like 40,000 employees or something like that. And I, I used to, what I did for them was to expand their, their network in, in Spain and then in Southern Italy. So I would buy companies for them. I would buy small chains of uh, networks of, of car repair shops and uh, help them integrate into our company. It's so interesting, you know, I'm just kind of listening to this, you know, and, and your experience and what you're doing, you know, now, you know, you had the the exit of the family business. I get that you, you know, you did what you needed to do. And, and um, yet, you know, it seems like knowing you today, that maybe, you know, with, with some of the proceeds from the sale, you might have gone back to being uh, in the mountain life, but you find yourself in like a large corporation and, you know, an automotive industry. And, you know, I know you as, um, you know, the, the daily meditator and conscious coach and, you know, you're here in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it's a, it's a long way from the, the life that you had, you know, at, at that time, you know, maybe you can start to connect the dots uh, for, for, for us, you know, and, and how you were able to make, you know, the transition from that life to this life, you know, what, what happened? Right. Yes. Yes. Very good question. So basically what happened with my dad, uh, like brought me into this 17 year old, uh, 18 year, old, 17 year, 18 year journey of executive management and entrepreneurship. Like uh, I didn't think too much about it. I sold my dad's company I enrolled with this other company and through uh, like just basically inertia, 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 inertia took me from one place to the next one. And I became a professionally trained CEO for hire. And that's what would, and at some point that was my job and I was, I was good at it. And uh, I did not know what else to do, like uh, to sustain my lifestyle. I married, I had two, two daughters and I didn't enjoy it too much and and that was creating a lot of conflict and resistance inside of me but on the on the outside I was successful and I was uh, I had a good living so it kind of became like a trap like that's the only thing I know what to do that's what I do best I would prefer not to be here but I don't know where to go if I'm not here so and I I went through a, like a, a lot of conflict that's the best way I can put it like internally I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be there. And th- there was a lot of pain inside of me. Externally, things were not without uh, a lot of effort, but things were, were going well. So people would hire me again. Like I would finish a project and another company would come. Hey, why don't you help us expand into this? New-? Because I, that was kind of my expertise. I ended up specializing in helping companies expand into new markets. So that's what I would do. It took me 18 years or so. So very early, very early, uh, when I was 21 or 22 years old, still working for my dad's company, I came across this Buddhist monk uh, in Madrid. He was a a Buddhist monk. Uh, He spent almost 20 years living in Nepal uh, with the Dalai Lama. And at some point, he decided, I'm not going to be a monk anymore, and I'm going to go back to Spain. And I'm going to start teaching people how to meditate. And for me, you know, I, I was always looking for ways to improve my inner experience because 
as I said, I was very challenged and I had a lot of discomfort and stress and anxiety. Uh, so I went and I sat in front of this person just to try, you know, and uh, this is 20 some years ago in Spain, like meditation was like science fiction. I got fascinated by this, this person and uh, I started learning from him. And I spent all my career as an executive. I was all at the same time that I was doing all, the, all, all the, those businesses and creating things and, and stuff. I was always visiting this person and learning from him and learning how to meditate. And I would go on retreats with him. But I don't think I believed that the things that I was learning from him were going to be fully effective for me. Like at, at some point, I was saying that, yes, this, this worked for him because he was a monk and he stayed 20 years in India and Nepal, but this is not going to work for me. I'm too broken. I'm too, too deep into this stressful life. So, but still, I was attracted to, to that. So I, was, I would still go. I would still go to his retreats and receive his teachings and explore this. I was very drawn to this whole aspect of meditation. It wasn't until my early 30s when like, I, I had like, a, a difficult moment again in life where the business I was running took a big dip. And the relationship with my former wife started to get difficult and we decided to divorce and they moved to a different city. Like, I had like, a, a, a crisis in life. You were how old? I was 30 or so, yeah, 29, 30. So um, in, the, in that moment, I think I went through an early midlife crisis or something like that. I started questioning everything. In that moment, out of, uh, again, desperation and not knowing where to turn, I, I started taking all the teachings that I received from the monk more seriously. And I started practicing more intently and it transformed my life. <laughs> Just like I, it, it truly, it truly worked, and I, I was uh, even surprised. Like, oh, man, I think this is changing the way I'm experiencing life. I think this is this is contributing for me to to be able to live differently. Uh, so I started making sense of how this practice, how these these techniques that I've learned and I'm using, how is this truly transforming the way I. How come that I'm not anxious anymore? How come that I'm not so fearful? What happened here? And that took me a few years to figure that out. Like, what is it exactly that I did that helped me live life much better? But at, 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 at the same time, I was, I was still the CEO of a, of a company. So to answer your question, when I was in Boston, uh, this is like I was 35 years old or so, I was the CEO of a distribution company. I, I, re, I discovered the, the world of coaching mm. and I decided I'm going to enroll into a two-year program to become a professional coach, but not thinking that this is going to uh, be my new career, uh, but I just approached that thinking that uh, the skills that uh, this coaching program would uh, equip me with would make me a better CEO or a better leader. But halfway into the program, I realized, man, this is, this is what I want to do. This makes total sense for me. This is my way out. Mm -hmm. And this is how long ago? This is seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the coaching conversation was not the same as it is today. You know, I started with a coach about 
11, 12 years ago. And, and I, at that time, I did not know what a coach was. You know, it's a very different world today. It's so much more commonly accepted. Um, and I'm curious, you know, when you were in that program, what was it that kind of called to you that, that made you feel like this is, this is what I want to do, knowing that's not why you were in there to begin with? Right. It was a combination of things. I think the, the, my teachers, the, the faculty of this school, were tremendously supportive of me and they encouraged me. They said, you have talent for this. Uh, if, if this is something that you would consider, we believe that you would be a great, a great coach. Uh, that was surprising for me to, to receive that kind of uh, 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 support, that kind of yeah, um, inspiration, right? Then at the same time, uh, my discomfort with, with my life, like my discomfort with, I wasn't um, suffering at that point at all internally, but still my preference was not to be a CEO. I would prefer to do something different. So um, now I, I found some, something that uh, I was uh, talented for uh, that I could do. And then the third component, I think it was to realize that I could contribute in a certain, that, that I could make a contribution to the world that was more meaningful to me than just running a company for someone that just wanted to be a millionaire or, or to make a company make a lot of money. I, I, I thought I could make an improvement in the lives of people through this newfound discipline. And, and that uh, kind of started fulfilling my desire uh, for service, which is something that I've always had in me. Like I wanted, I wanted to serve other people. And it, this kind of was just like finding the right, like the, the glove that was just my size. Like I mm -hmm. just put it on. And I said, oh, this is kind of perfect for me. And, and, and how early on in your coaching, as you kind of pivoted then into becoming a coach, did you start to weave in the meditation and the you know, consciousness components? You know, I imagine it to be, well, that's who you are. But I wondered if there was any separation in those things or if you saw the connectivity and value in, in your practice, you know, right out of the gate? No, not right out of the gate at all. It was a process, a multi-year process of coaching people. I started coaching people more like in, in an executive level, uh, strategy, clarity, execution, uh, and, and then realizing, and then slowly sitting, sitting in front of people, one after the other, I started realizing like I have something more to offer here. Like most of the issues that these guys have are similar to the issues that I faced when I was a CEO. Like, and they come from within. It's not about the strategy or the or the process or the execution. Of course, that's challenging and and requires attention. But where I think I can be more useful is helping them become more aware of themselves and increase the visibility of what's happening inside of them, what, how their, their mind is working, how their emotions are working, and help them navigate that so they can become even more effective when they lead. And it was slowly that I started incorporating all the things that I've learned through, through my life in, with, with the monk and my own experience with meditation and consciousness and uh, emotional intelligence and management. I started incorporating that until it it ended up becoming the thing. 
that that it, it ended up becoming the main topic. That's that's why people look for me now. Uh, that's what I that's what I do. I I transitioned from the outside into the, the the inner part of the of the leadership. Yeah, and and you know I want you to elaborate you know on your your practice today because you know I think you know from a kind of outside looking in and and we've worked together you know a little bit, but I I I know. Um, a few of the people and and maybe maybe more than a few of the people that you're working with and you know I'm I'm in some ways uh a little envious because I I think you're working with really outstanding uh young smart thoughtful kind compassionate you know like great great entrepreneurs and um great companies and you're meditating together you know, you're you're helping them. You know, navigate life and 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 work. You know, all the emotions and and all the you know things that you know are involved in, in living consciously. I think it's really wonderful. But I, I want to uh, let you kind of describe that in your words. Why don't you describe kind of um, how you are coaching and and and, and your practice? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, and I totally agree. Like I work with remarkable leaders. And I don't think like it's rare, you know, to find uh, these type of people that have so much commitment to their their inner improvement. You know, that that hire someone like me. It's I, I have to pinch myself most days uh, to believe that this is this is what we're doing here. So over the years, I think I figured out how the practice of meditation, several several of the practices that I've learned, combine help you develop certain skills and certain abilities that allow you to live better and lead yourself better. Uh, of course, the, what I teach and what I help, the kind of the meditation-based system that I've been able to synthesize over, over the years, it's very, very different from the teachings that I received from, from my teacher and several other teachers I've had. But I somehow was able to Create something that was inspired, uh, taking taking what what was more useful for me, and what worked for me. I was able to synthesize a little a little bit of a system that now I teach and help um, other leaders integrate into their lives. And it's all about becoming present, uh, learning how to bring attention inward, and realize uh, how your mind is working what your mind is telling you about yourself, what your mind is telling you about life, how we sometimes are prisoners from all mental patterns, emotional patterns that makes us respond to life always in the same ways. So in a way, we are kind of hacking a system that have been, has been installed in ourselves without us knowing it. You know? So now we become aware of this system, the, system, the, the operating system that we have developed over over year after year in our life. And by bringing awareness to that operating system, how things are operating uh, unconsciously inside of ourselves, now we have a say. Now we have the ability to influence. Now we have the, the ability to, to manage and, and do things differently. So I think it's all about... Um, med- I use meditation, a lot of meditation, but as a tool mm, to develop the skills and the abilities that uh, these leaders need to then lead themselves internally in an optimal way. 
and remove and disregard uh, all the unnecessary suffering and unnecessary discomfort that we generate through our old operating system yeah, and start installing the, the new one that allows you to operate in the world with more peace, more clarity, more intention, more in control of how do you respond to circumstances, to whatever happens around you. Yeah, uh, and, and certainly we're at a time where there's a lot happening around us. There are circumstances. And you know, we were talking a little bit before we got started about how your practice has really been able to continue on pretty uh, similarly. Obviously, you're not able to be with people in person, but you've been able to um, even you know, learn what's possible by doing things virtually. I'm curious a little bit about how what what you're learning um, now during this this COVID um, pandemic? You know what are you learning about yourself, about your own practice, um, and through your clients? What what are you seeing people struggling with or growing maybe exponentially? You know because of the circumstances we're in. I I would hope, and I know for me, you know having done a lot of the work that I've done and 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 for you and your clients having prepared them to navigate cir- circumstances has been helpful in in how they are handling things now but but still you know what's what's showing up for people what are you seeing uh it's been very rewarding it's like 80% 90% of my clients have continued to to work with me through through this pandemic and it it was like for a week or, or two when we started the quarantine, you know, it was amazing to see, sit in front of my clients virtually via Zoom and asking them, like, how are you doing? What's going on uh, for you? And then all of them getting back to me, like those who were a little bit more trained, of course, like I'm surprised of how I'm handling things. Like I'm at peace. Like, yeah, there's plenty of things that I need to address, but I am going through it with not just peace, like, but so, some of them even like, with a certain amount of excitement about the possibilities that this whole thing is, is going to open for us. So that, that certainly that, that it was stressful for everybody because of the amount of things that you need to manage and the amount of things that you need to address. But internally, they were, they were able to process yeah, their, their stress and their fears. And even, even in this huge impactful moments, find some peace. And I was very touched. I've, I have also seen, like as the quarantine progressed and the isolation uh, started to kick in for, for mo- most of us, I, di- I saw that in myself and I saw that um, in many of my clients as well, that in, in the span of seven, eight, ten days, when probably after or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks of isolation, we all had like a, a little bit of a dip in our mood where like we started feeling a little bit more sad, a little bit more like depressed. And I think it was just out of sheer uh, isolation, like not being with other people. Uh, like we, as human beings, we're not equipped just to be in a box all day. And some of my clients, and including myself, we were just basically in in, in the same room uh, for for the most part of the day. And I I think that had uh, an impact in us. 
but then we decided to start going out more and uh, like just socially distancing certainly but just being in a park with with people walking their do- their dogs or uh playing with with their with their kids or something like that just being in in environments where we were exposed to other people at a distance of course but to to make you feel that you're a part of a group again and that i think that balanced the experience again and restored some balance in in the way we were experiencing things but for a moment uh the isolation was was really hard i i think it was just in all in all refreshing to see how this work can help you navigate difficult moments and i have personally like business wise and uh personally i have learned that uh, i can be of service and i can perform my my work remotely which inspires inspired now the creation of a new line of business i'm developing a mastermind group for ceos that is going to be exclusively online and uh, this is a new part of my business that i'm really excited to develop right now so i'm in the middle of of bringing that out into the market uh, and probably that i wouldn't i would have not done that if it wasn't for the quarantine and the the covid situation that that is inspired this new creative endeavor you know so all in all like i had i had difficult moments of of some fear and some uncertainty all my clients have of course i think that the work we've done have, have uh, equipped us to 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 navigate this with more ease and at the same time has activated a little bit of creativity and new opportunity and bringing new things into the world and i've seen that not just in my own business but in the businesses of of my clients that now have they developed new ways of interact with their clients so it's been a very inspiring period also concerning you know in terms of uh, of our collective health and and uh, the amount of suffering that plenty of people are uh, experiencing for sure yeah well i think it's great i i um i don't know if it's um <clears throat> how you see this but but i think and from my view just hearing your full story today that even if it was just kind of organic and not so um thoughtful or conscious uh that you know you you went on the path that you went on it it seems to have made perfect sense to have taken you to where you are today all of your um experiences through childhood and and through teenage years and having to step in for your father and the 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 trauma of that and relationships everything you know i can see how it's all built you to be the person that you are doing the work that you are it's 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 really great to hear and it's fun to watch you know because you're clearly in your element doing what you're meant to be doing and and you know i i always appreciate seeing people you know on fire about their their work and their life and it's exciting to hear how you're expanding into masterminds and whatever else is to come so uh, I just want to thank you for sharing that story and for being here. And anything that you want to um, say in kind of you know, conclusion or where people can find you or anything else that you want to share with the audience? Well, not just to simply um, echo your your message here. Like uh, my life had uh, 
very difficult moments or challenging moments, and that's undeniable, but uh, they were necessary yeah, to, to build the skills and, and the abilities that I have developed that now allow me to do the kind of contribution that I'm able to do for the world. So sometimes you don't see when you are when you're going through the valleys, you don't see that. Uh, but now when you look from far enough, every single part of, of your experience makes sense. And it, it, in my case, came all together to equip me. I, I like to think that I ended up becoming a guide, but just a different type of guide than the one I thought I would become when I was 14. And now I don't, I don't guide people through the mountains of, of, my, of Spain, but I guide them through their inner mountains. And it makes perfect, perfect sense for me. And I couldn't be happier and, and doing the things that I do. Um, thank, mm-hmm. I want to thank you for the opportunity of uh, telling, telling my story. I hope this is valuable for, for your audience. And uh, yeah, if, if anybody is curious about my work, they can certainly uh, visit my website. It's one-alvarez.com and I have some, some information there. Yeah, wonderful. I love that, navigating the inner mountains. And, and uh, in fact, you are a guide. It's just uh, not exactly how you envisioned it, but maybe exactly how it was meant to be. And, and I know that you actually still do take people through the mountains, right? You, you, you found a way to combine them all and maybe that'll be a part of the mastermind and, and someday you might do the, the kind of literal mountains and the internal mountains, but um, that's wonderful. So thanks again, Juan. I appreciate you being here. It's a pleasure as always. And yeah, take care. Thank you very much. Be well, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.